We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Gavin Williams is the latest pitcher, stud pitching prospect to debut. We've got a couple of what's wrong with sessions to talk about. And who else better to talk about it but the man to talk about pitching, Nick Pollock, joining us here from Pitcher List here on the Rotowire Baseball Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you on the Blue Wire Network and by the number 11. Uh, as in the Cincinnati Reds winning streak, this one goes to 11. Uh, a lot of streaks in baseball right now. With then talking with my guest, Nick Pollock from Pitcherless, not from Pitcherless, he is Pitcherless. He is, if you follow, go to Twitter at Pitcherless, that's Nick. Uh, and he has created a wonderful website, and we'll talk more about that later on the show here. But, Nick, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Oh, it's an absolute honor to be here, really. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. And I, uh, yeah, we get to talk about pitching. If you guys don't know, Jeff actually had fantasy football up above. Uh, right when I yeah. joined and I thought it was a wonderful bit. He should have left it in. Honestly, it was great. Yeah. Well, we are creating a bunch of football podcasts already. And a previous user of our podcast room used did a football one. And I'll be doing football podcasts in, in July uh, as we start to transition to that. Oh, I'm oh, still no. doing baseball. Don't worry. Still three baseball no. podcasts a week. Oh, my gosh. But seriously, every year like clockwork, they forget. It's only half the season, Jeff. I understand, man. I understand. Sirius XM is switching to our schedule in July. We're going to be going back tonight. So, oh, no. man. Say what well, we're still about here that. now, right? Yeah, so let's be happy. This is a happy occasion. Not happy. stop picker and argue about who switched to. Uh, let, let's talk instead about uh, baseball. Gavin Williams last night made his debut. You had a live watch with it there. Uh, it's the stud pitching prospect of the year of the week, it seems like, this year, and he's the latest. Oh, man. Uh, Gavin Williams was really fun to watch, especially as the community, because we really didn't know what it was going to be. We've heard a lot of things. Oh, man, number two prospect and uh, big fastball and the secondaries we're going to be excited about. I generally have a rule that you do not start pitchers in their MLB debuts because so many factors. One, we don't really quite know how good his stuff is going to translate mm -hmm. to majors. There are jitters involved here. A lot of times uh, pitchers are on shorter leashes. Their approach is different. And it makes it so difficult to get a good assessment of a player in an MLB debut. Uh, standard affair is, hey, guy like Gavin Williams, who's more fastball focused than secondaries, you got to throw a ton of fastballs. I'm talking like 70, 80% of them in that first standing are just going to be heaters. Once you feel right. good with that, then we start to incorporate the secondary pitches. And I hate it. Uh, Zach Allen has a whole thing about act like a closer in the first inning. Just get out of the first inning. Use everything that you have to get out of that first and get settled in because you got to get confidence in the first. And we saw that with Gavin right. Williams where he was trying to locate his fastball a ton. And it was fine. 
uh, he would miss up and then he would miss down. And when you see four seamers missing down, that's a huge sign of jitters. If you ask me, that means that you're pushing off too far. You're getting out way far in front, which is not typical. Actually, you normally miss uh, with your arm lagging behind as opposed to being too excited, right? Right. So it was really a sign of like, okay, Gavin Williams is getting a little um, jittery in this. And we didn't really see him actually soar until, say, like third, fourth inning. He had these really quick innings because he was using his secondaries in right. a good way. He was using a slider and curveball more to get ahead. Uh, so there is something to like here. I think that in comparison to some others, um, he is more like, like say, like Brian, Brian Wu, who I've been more impressed by his fastball since that first start against the right. Rangers, which was terrible. I uh, came on only two out of 45 whiffs last night for Gavin Williams's fastball, which is not what you want to see for a guy that is fastball focused against the athletics. Uh, but, you know, there, I get a lot of comparisons because it's more going to be fastball focused. I don't really know how good the secondaries are for William, uh, for Gavin Williams, but at least they're better than Woo's. So I'm a little optimistic that moving forward, Gavin will find a better rhythm with his fastballs. And keep in mind, too, when it comes to that four seamer, um, sequencing does a lot when it comes to whiffs and how he's missing. Uh, if he's yeah. missing consistently in the upper half, you're going to see swings that are like, okay, is this close enough to be in the zone? If he's missing way out of the zone down here, then coming back up, those higher pitches aren't as tempting and they're not going to be swinging through that as much. They're more uh, aggressive at the plate and be and are ready to hit that fastball. Yeah. So I do imagine the two out of 45 uh, swing strike rate for Williams' fastball is going to change in the future. Um, yeah. So, so I like him, but he's he's still got stuff to work on for sure. You know, it's funny. You're talking about the first inning, and you're talking about the reliance on the fastball in that first inning. Comes to mind Bobby Miller's debut against the Braves, mm. where he came out pumping heat, easy heat, but heat nonetheless. And he had a, a choppy first inning, and they made a point of saying, "I just listened to my catcher, Will Smith, get me away from that in, in the, the last few innings." And that was a start in in Atlanta, you know, as tough yeah. as a spot as you can get right now. And he was great the next four innings. Uh, very strong debut. And it, they made a point, like, I did throw as many fastballs. And it made the fastball more effective as a result of that, too. So it, it's interesting that you, you talk about that. Yeah, the uh, the best pitch that Bobby Miller threw in the entire debut, I think, was the third batter of the game, which was Matt Olson. Mm -hmm. Threw a, uh, I believe it was a two-strike changeup down in a way that got a ground out to first. Yeah. You normally don't see that. I was actually really surprised that Bobby Miller would turn to a changeup. I mean, sure, it's lefty. Uh, lefty batter as a righty you normally go change ups as the mo but an mlb debut in that kind of situation no you're gonna go with like the big slider you're gonna go with the the four seamer and that little change up is like oh and you got an out and that's like that's what makes me love bobby miller he has that ability to do that right and it makes him more of a veteran arm than your standard rookie not just rip snorting like i'm you know got all that adrenaline flowing through me oh. i'll just blow through the wall yeah exactly and he had a rough start in his last time out but all in all it's been good results so far for him but you know you're talking about you know first starts debuts for rookie pitchers and the dodgers have had a mixed bag emmett sheehan mm -hmm. obviously was great in his debut but gavin stone michael grove not so much yeah i uh, michael grove needs to work on forcing was getting elevated and it doesn't feel like the Dodgers are really that in on him. The slider mm -hmm. we saw like 15 whiffs, I think it was against the Yankees. And they're like, okay, cool. You're going to go and get option now yeah. uh, because they don't really think that he can do that on a regular basis because that was really actually the product of his four seamer not going low. It was actually up. So we had the proper, what I call the Blake Snell blueprint of hard stuff up and then secondaries down. Uh, and then with Grove, he's more of a, um, uh, sorry, Gavin Stone, rather. He's more of a change of focus guy. And when it comes to prospects coming up, 
Uh, I generally say the the order of priority of what I want to see from a, a repertoire is first is an overwhelming fastball. Think Bryce Miller. Think uh, I mean Bobby Miller at 100. Even though it's not the most swing strike rate pitch, it's still a very overwhelming. First mm-hmm. thing is the fastball. Uh, Mason Miller was really impressive to me, and unfortunately he got hurt. But those those are the things. Todd Bradley, the really established guys. Um, quickly for fantasy teams. Um, the second is you got to have some secondary a breaking ball that is yeah. just blowing us away. Uh, fortunately for Bobby Miller, now he gets 11 whiffs on the slider because he's Bobby Miller and I love him so much. Um, but even with Taj Bradley, the curveball is the big thing. That was what he did yesterday. He had that right. amazing zero walk game, eight strikeouts. It's because he had a near 75% strike rate on that curveball. That is huge for him. That allows right. him then to elevate the four seamer in. We'll talk about another pitcher who's not doing that with their breaking ball right now. Might be part of the reason they're having failures at the moment. And then when I hear it, guys, change up first, then that's Gavin Stone. Ooh, that that generally does not translate as well from the minor leagues to the majors. Right. So Gavin Stone, I'm not too surprised that that one didn't pan out. But uh, yeah, it, it's Emmett Sheen's an interesting one because he's like just a better version of Brady Singer. And I don't know if that's that good. Yeah, so. and I, I think I saw a similar thing from Jeff Zimmerman when he made his debut. Like, here's the three pitchers his stuff translates to. And they were all underwhelming. I was like, oh. Yeah. I was it, like, it, oh, oh, I got Emmett Sheehan in my score shit league. I picked him up in the supplemental. He's been rising. James Anderson loves him. Let's go. Through six no-hit yeah. innings. Let's go. And then I saw this. Like, oh, that's cold water. Oh, right. It's sure a lateral right. fastball. That's yeah. the thing. It's not a swing and miss fastball. It, uh-huh. I think I saw one call it a sinker, one call it a four-seamer. It just moves horizontally. And uh, we hope that the slider is really good. Um, But that's kind of what you're dealing with right now, which isn't so bad. If you can spot that, that's great. Uh, It's just a really hard thing to bank on, especially the prospects leaning on command. It is command. Kyle Body had a quote uh, on Twitter just saying, look, I don't even focus on command stats like walk rates or anything. The first year of a rookie, let alone the first start. Right. So to, to expect a rookie out of the gate to be not only... Uh, good in that first start, but then just have good command moving forward. It's a really hard bet to make. So you want to rely more on the stuff metrics. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you mentioned horizontal movement and at the, in spring training draft season, even the start of the season, a lot of the rage was the sweeper and horizontal movement. It's a big deal. And everyone's got a sweeper now. And it, you know, it's saying in a positive light. Now, do you find that to be still the rage? Uh, is there still the same amount of emphasis has it been successful? Yes and no. Um, as with every single pitch, it depends on the pitcher and what they throw and what they're most comfortable with. Uh, the sweeper is a, is still a slider. It's just a different classification of it and people leaning into it more. But like, cool, I'm going to try and focus on getting that more, that the horizontal break. But we've seen pitches before that were sweepers. That it's the same pitch. It's just instead of just calling it a slider, we're doing that now. Okay. Um, I mean, Darvish has been throwing like 10 different versions for like six years. So whatever. It's true. He's he's weird. Um, <laughs> but we're seeing we're seeing some sweepers have success and some have failure. Um, for example, Otani's, which was the slider from last year. I mean, if you've seen his dominance uh, in 2022, Shohei Otani was just throwing 45 percent sliders. And it, it was amazing. I remember the start against the Astros. We started to do that. I was like, yes, you're going to do this forever now. And now he's not. And the sweeper, you know, there's a theory of the higher emphasis is making batters uh, better at it. Um, mm. That's possible. I don't, I, I think honestly, it's still going to be really good. Like batters have seen everything for the most part. And uh, I, there are some guys that just have it. Some guys don't. 
Um, it's generally not going to get as many whiffs, though, as your standard slider. Um, it's just the old theory of, hey, east-west is going to get fewer whiffs than north-south. Sure. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. If you yeah. are uh, somewhere where you can mimic swinging a bat, you can feel yourself changing your wrist level is a lot harder than your elbow going in and out. Yeah, um, I, I can so, see that. Yeah. Uh, so it's a uh, so it's a big thing about sweepers. It sounds cool. It's great, but generally you want to see a really good slider instead. Yeah, and if it takes away from your throwing a good slider, it takes away your time that you're working on your slider. I could see that being a negative effect. How Definitely. about stress on the arm? Does it create more or less stress on the arm? Uh, it depends on your mechanics. Okay. Um, it's it's always a tough thing. It depends on how you're throwing it. Uh, I remember actually Lance McCullers coming on, I uh, the the talking pitching podcast with me and Alex. And he had a new slider, if you remember, right? Mm -hmm. That was it essentially was a sweeper. And he talked about it like this, where he figured out how to throw a good one. And he said it was like throwing it was like a throwing a pizza. So how do you throw a pizza? You you place your hand flat with your palm up and you go across, right? Right. You're flinging a pizza. And just think right now, put your hand up uh, with your palm, uh, you know, facing forward uh, with your fingers up in the air. This is comfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. But then you put your palm down and you can feel the tension. Yeah. Right. And the top of your elbow. And yeah. this ultra uh, supination, right, is where you essentially take your palm and you, and you turn it where the, your thumb going towards you. Um, and pronation is where your thumb goes down away from you. Uh, that ultra supination is not very good to do. It's also not very good to do ultra pronation. The more that you can stay behind, it's more natural. So a, a traditional north south slider is more uh you want to stay on top of the ball as much as you can and sometimes these sweepers guys are getting underneath uh more and it's bad mechanics innately throwing a, a sweeper should not put more stress on it yeah you know it, it's just about release and if as much as you can say behind the ball that's fine you can do a, a what i used to do is a karate chop with the pinky down um when i was pitching uh, that was more for a curve, but you can essentially do that with a sweep as well, because essentially a sweeper is just the curve that is a lower arm angle. Just think of like holding a ball like you have the curve where you're going straight over the top. But instead of this, it's just here. So how do you get this? I mean, Rich Hill's curveball. You have that in your mind, right? Uh, I, now I do. You yeah. do. Right. <laughs> Every day at, <laughs> at 320. Exactly. Rich Hill's curveball comes into my mind. No, I. He throws a sweeper because, in my view, it's a curveball grip, but then he gets so low on his arm angle that all of a sudden you see where the ball is. This is just on the side of it now instead of on top, right? Because mm -hmm. how he's just tilting his entire body. So, and you've seen that thing. You've seen how much horizontal movement that gets. Um, that's the same idea. So, By the way, those of you not watching the stream, Nick is doing this with visual aids, with a baseball, too. He comes prepared. I love it. Always. I mean, come on. What what baseball analyst doesn't have a baseball in, like, hand view, right? Or... All right, all right, arms reach is why I say hand view is the new term, by the way. That's what all the kids are saying. Yeah. Valid. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm i trying to find the one. You know, remember when Tower, were you in Tower already when we did uh, the one at uh, Staten Island uh, Yankees? Uh, I visited and I threw you guys BP. Okay, cool. Uh, I didn't get to do BP because I was either in a draft or the auctioneer. So I missed out on that. Mm. But I would have been an epic failure. You've anyway, been great. But, yeah. I would have given you the perfect meatball. But I do, I do have a baseball from that. And do you really? Yeah, they gave us all like they gave us baseballs. If I guess uh, if you participated, uh, I'm not sure how I got. But anyhow, I always smelled a little like gasoline in it for a little bit. I don't know if like, <laughs> they dipped. I don't know if like they do something. That's like to make it more. go harder, right? They wanted more gas. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Whatever works, you know. I hate. But uh, at any rate, um, 
getting back to everything. You're tying this all together. We started this with Gavin Williams. He is the latest to be able to draw free agent bids this weekend. How aggressive would you recommend people being and going and bidding on Gavin Williams? I don't necessarily think you need to. Um, even leading up to this game, uh, he wasn't a guy that would go deep often. Uh, he got mm-hmm. really lucky, Gavin Williams, going uh, under 10 pitches in two consecutive innings to be able to go at least five and two thirds right. in that uh, in that debut. I don't really think that's a typical thing for him. Um, the one benefit he has is pitching for Cleveland, which just loves to let guys go longer. Um, yeah. you know, Tino is just like getting a popsicle or something and forgets that's the seventh inning. But, uh, you know, it's, it's really nice to see that we've still saw that from, um, from Logan Allen, from Tanner Bybee. These young guys are not being held back at five innings or so they're able to go 90 to hundred even. So that does open the door. Um, he's going to have at least one start that just goes, Oh, this is great. This is fantastic. I personally don't buy into it based on the, the triple a numbers we've seen this year of inconsistency start to start and he doesn't seem to be locked in let me it's hard to read from an mlb debut but it doesn't seem to be just even when he's not locked in the stuff is still so good those are the kind of prospects i really like to lean into gavin williams sure. to me isn't that interesting um and you know it's they've got a little bit of a squeeze possibly coming up when Cal, when uh, quantrill is available sure to pitch again although i think a lot of people are pushing for Quantrill to not go back in the rotation. We'll see if Tito feels the same way. Yeah, we'll uh, see. Yeah. Uh, he does get the Royals. Uh, Gavin Williams does in his next start. And then he gets the White Sox after that, if right. form holds. So that, I mean, that, that is the one reason to do it is mm-hmm. just for the short term. But I mean, I've seen a lot of, a lot of prospect pitcher bids this year. We've seen them all over the place of being hyper aggressive. Right. And whatever is worth for two starts um not necessarily i don't know if it's a two-star week next week it might be actually it is um that i'm in for i'm certainly like okay the royals are horrible at the moment and he can just throw fastballs in the zone and be fine while the white Sox are kind of like the tutor for pitchers yeah where if they don't have a breaking ball that's the start where you throw a ton of breaking balls as a righty we saw it from brian Wu. we saw from bryce miller uh, these guys that don't have good secondaries, that's like the time to get your practice in because the White Sox are so bad at right-handed breaking balls. It is insane. I see all the spikes of usage for breaking balls as right-handers against the White Sox. You know so what? likely going to see that from Gavin Williams, so I'm very much in on that one too. However, I apologize. I fed you bad information. Oh. They're facing the Cubs in the second start, ah, not the White Sox. Chicago. In Chicago at, at the Cubs. <laughs> no tutoring. You got No for tutoring it. for you uh sorry about that um, no it's all good I, I mean, the cubs are not a good offense either again. so if he rolls well with the royals then you're fine with the cubs yeah yeah i mean it's still not a terrible spot i mean cubs cubs are the only team with a win, uh, plus run differential in the nl central fun fact oh my gosh uh but not for long right not for long well they're, they're playing better right now i mean they don't get to face the pirates anymore so we'll see oh no happens. i meant your reds oh yeah you're talking a positive frame rick yes. um don't think so actually i think <laughs> they face the braves and then at Balt- uh, Baltimore after that there so huh. I think it's and that's a fortress right now so mm. I, I I don't want any part of that series but I, I do it'll be fun those are two of the like team fun guys uh Nick Whalen my uh radio uh, Sirius XM co-host was talking about the Reds being like the NBA equivalent of Game Pass you know like it, it, <laughs> one of those teams you have to watch but Baltimore yeah. is one of those teams too right now yeah, they're so fun. I, I get all the texts from Fast every day. Like, hey, you see what happened? I'm like, yes, yes, Fast. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, 
Emmett Sheehan or Gavin Williams going forward for the rest of the year? Oh boy. Um, Sheehan, I think has a safer skill set. If mm-hmm. he does get um, his time in the rotation, it's kind of wild how the Dodgers have like nothing left at the moment. Right. Uh, and we'll see, you know, hopefully Urias comes back soon for their sake. Um, Emmett Sheehan, I think is, is able to get through lineups better and pitching for a really good club to pitch for. That is the Dodgers. Um, so I'm going to lean Sheehan over Gavin Williams. I'm very curious how the next two starts do go for Gavin Williams. though, and if he does really open the door, for those secondaries to take over more. Yeah. Um, Sheehan does draw the Astros on Friday. I will be interested to see that. The Jordanless Astros, uh, which prior to yesterday, that wasn't such a bad matchup, but uh, yesterday was kind of a slugfest, 10 to 8. So we'll see uh, if things have changed in anything. That's Tyler McGill. It was, but it was also Christian Javier. And thank you for providing the transition to our next topic. What's wrong with Christian Javier? So much. No, actually, it's pretty little. Uh, <laughs> Christian Javier is really struggling with the slider, getting it in the zone. Um, mm-hmm. we've, we're also seeing worse results on the, on the fastball. It's a little bit worse last year, but still an elite pitch in my view. Mm-hmm. And the slider just can't get strikes. Uh, I talk about this a lot. When you are a two-pitch guy, you have to have three qualities, essentially. You have to have the fastball you can get for strikes effectively. The, the second pitch, whatever secondary pitch you want to go for, that needs to be able to get strikes. And then one of the two need to get whiffs. That is how you you succeed. I also call it the Wasker Noah rule. So that if you have two pitches, both of them need to be elite, not just one, which right. was his slider. So Wasker Noah wasn't destined and I messed up on that. So I'm correcting it moving forward. With Javier, four seamer gets all the whiffs. It's wonderful. But the slider is supposed to be like a 60 to 65% strike rate pitch. And it hasn't hit the 60% mark in a while. It's been yeah. hovering on 50% and change. And with everybody... You know, you're going to have a general thing that works. This fastball should be really good every night, and hopefully the slider is good enough. But there are going to be nights, too, that the fastball just isn't there, and you hope that there's something else as a backup plan to help. When your slider isn't good, the nights where the fastball is off is, oh, boy. And that's what we saw against the Mets yesterday. So he needs to get that slider back in order. He needs to be able to throw that with confidence. And then when he's able to actually keep batters honest with it, then the fastball just demolishes up in the zone. And he's still doing all the same things really with that fastball that he used to do. So to me, it's different than a typical guy who's not doing well because, oh, it's just one element. It's just one thing that he needs to be not even like drastically better. It's not as if like, oh, your changeup's terrible. Make a, you know, have a better changeup. It's just no, get a little bit more command on your slider that you used to have. And I imagine he's working on it, trying to figure out some tweak. I bet at some point in the next two weeks or so, three weeks, he will have that tweak. And then Christian Javier will be a lot better moving forward. That's how I see it. It could be even as soon as his next start. So maybe good time to try to go trade for him. Absolutely. How about Sandy Alcantara? Uh, Another disappointing outing yesterday, to say the least. You know, we thought maybe it turned a corner two starts ago, and then the Nats hit him around. And then yesterday, the Blue Jays babbipped him heavily in the second inning. Uh, just, I, I, it was really rough to watch. I mean, the George Springer chopper, I mean, that was just so frustrating to watch, but yeah, the problem is though, it's been all season. He's had like four starts where we've gotten Sandy starts. Yeah. The, uh, I should have worn my Sandy crutch shirt today. You know, I decided, mm-hmm. I decided to go with the baseball, which I'm, I'm a big fan of. Okay. Big fan of this one. Yes. Um, and tell, and tell everybody about that shirt real quick. Oh yeah. This and, and, is uh, for those who aren't doing the visual thing, especially <laughs> we put it out um, three, uh, three weeks ago. 
essentially there are a lot of anti LBGTQ plus comments in baseball and, mm -hmm. um, you know, being a community that where we want to make sure that everyone feels inclusive and can enjoy the sport that they love. I, uh, we decided to put out a shirt that I, uh, that is just showcasing, look, everybody here is welcome to enjoy this sport. Uh, so we're selling it. It's, it's baseball with all in, uh, in the pride colors and 100% of the proceeds go to the human rights campaign. Um, right. We've sold over 500 shirts so far. That's awesome. Uh, which is pretty cool. And uh, yeah, it's just a nice, easy shirt. It's very comfortable um, to express that, yeah, everybody is welcome here. Very cool. And you can find that on pitcherlist.com. So Absolutely. Sure, please check that out. Um, so we're talking Sandy. We're talking about that. And this, you know, that led us to the shirtwear. But what's wrong with Sandy? What, what, yeah. What's happening this year? It's kind of, I mean, it's similar to Javier, where it's really just, I think, one tweak. Yeah. Um, and if you think about Sandy Alcantara, his stuff is insane, right? We know this. The four-seamer, the sinker are really tough to uh, to deal with as a hitter. He puts them inside to right-handers a ton. He just attacks with it and gets a lot of outs. The slider's a really tough pitch to hit as well. But the real bread and butter over the years, when it really took him to another level, was the development of that changeup. And it, in some ways, it's been exactly the same. And in others, it just has not. So swing strike rate is the same at 20%. Uh, that's, just, that's lovely to see. The O swing is even higher this year at 46% than it was last year. Mm -hmm. But the average on it is 322. Ooh. The expected average is 243. And last year, the expected average was 158 on his changeup. He's, there's something going on here. And I think it's that he's getting it more uh, elevated. That is like belt high as opposed to getting it down at the knees. And I've watched some Sandy Alcantara, and uh, before this Jays start, for example, it was one of the worst commanded outings I've seen from him, mm -hmm. where the construction of an at-bat is lost. Um, you can subconsciously tell when you watch a pitcher on the mound, ask yourself, say, fourth inning or so, is he battling the batter or is he battling himself, right? You can tell what he's trying to do. Is he doing the thing and then he's not really sequencing it right, or is he just throwing a fastball and hoping it lands for a strike. And that was a game where Sandy just could not execute a game plan. Um, and it does root in that changeup not being that pitch you can turn to. And yeah. then the sinker and the four-seamer were a little bit more erratic than usual. And then, bam, there's your blow-up start. But when the changeup is harnessed, which it has in, at times, which you've seen, you've seen it. It's like eight innings shutout. Yeah. Um, he does that. Second so outing still, of the year. Complete game. Yeah. It, it's there, right? We know it's still there. And what makes... Cy Young pitchers, Cy Young pitchers um, is the ability to make not only in-season adjustments, but also in-game adjustments. Yeah. And I want to believe that Sandy has that skill still in him. He hasn't made those in-game adjustments nearly as much. He's getting frustrated right now because of this. Uh, I have to believe that this isn't all of a sudden a new normal for Sandy, that he can't figure out how to get on top of that changeup and find that little tweak that he needs to do that gets him there. It will happen. Uh, I actually literally traded for uh, Sandy Alcantara about one hour ago. In what did you trade? Legacy League. Joe Musgrove, straight up. Uh, so, so some people will say, look, okay, Joe Musgrove for wins, right? I mean, that's just a bigger win chance right there. The I'm a little bit worried about the elbow of Joe Musgrove and the curve and the slider not really being the in-rhythm pitches that they used to be for him. It's also been this crazy up-and-down season. He was injured at the beginning of the year. He has the toe, has... Now, elbow bursitis, like it's just weird with him. And 
I think from this point on, you're going to see whatever you want from San Diego Cantor. I think it's like a five-year, right, at this moment. It's 508 Ooh. with a 125 whip and a 19.4% K rate. But I'm telling you right now that Sandy Alcantara is going to be so far and away better than that moving forward as of June 22nd. We're going to talk about this in the offseason about, oh, the final three months, though, or starting from July 1st, Sandy Alcantara did this. So we believe in that, right? The Marlins and, uh, are so weird. They're, they're nine games over 500 and Sandy Alcantara has got a five ERA. <laughs> and a two and a six record. I don't, I don't, yeah. yeah, it's Braxton Garrett. There's a reason. Yeah, I mean, he's been amazing. He got he got left in to wear that one start, eleven earned runs, and he, he still got a three eighty eight on the year. He needed that because that was that was the transition moment for Braxton Garrett. That was when um, he said, "Okay, you know what? What I'm doing isn't good enough," and he then started throwing a cutter. Uh, that was on the third of May against Atlanta, and he threw about thirteen percent cutters um, at that point. He threw thirty five percent in the next game. And yeah. then 29%, the 26th and 30%. He threw 31% cutters in his last game on June 17th. This is a real change for Braxton Garrett. And he is so good now. He's uh, Fewer fastballs, fewer sinkers is great because it's not a very good sinker. But the the slider, the changeup, the cutter are fantastic. I'm a huge Braxton Garrett fan. Yeah, I love him. I, lo- I love that, you know, he, in that stretch, he, you know, he gave up four runs, I think, the next time out, but pitched other had otherwise pitched pretty well. And then goes to Coors Field and deals in Coors. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it's been amazing. Uh, yeah, he, he's been fantastic. The Marlins' whole rotation is is interesting. I mean, we keep hearing about the threat of Yuri Perez getting sent down <laughs> to make room for Trevor Rogers. I mean, how can you send him down right now? I know yeah. you're trying to preserve him, but how can you? Because he's 20 years old. Uh, yeah. I know it's a 28% K rate with a uh, 1.54 ERA, one whip. He's really good. Uh, it's one of those times I talk about with command with guys. And uh, sometimes when you when you say, oh, he has bad command or so, it means that when he throws the pitch, it doesn't go where he wants to. With mm-hmm. Yuri, it's like an 80% chance. And then the 20%, you're like, oh, okay, that was that was like <laughs> way over here or whatever. But then the next pitch is, boom, right there on the edge is a fastball, you know? And you're like, yes, that's it. So, so Yuri, I think with time, becomes that command specialist. And they've called him mini Sandy because he throws super hard, has a changeup that could be a low 90s weapon right it's just over time for him to develop that and if there's one organization to develop change-ups right it is the miami marlins so yeah i love it but i mean i saw that craig mish quote and craig mish is one of the best he's dialed um, in yes and uh 115 innings is what the marlins are thinking maybe 120 and they so, let him go what they actually let him go six the other day which i was like oh okay Interesting. Yeah. It's usually been five, you know, and right. Well, okay. There's, there's two things really quickly here. One is I uh, pitches are more important than innings. I think for sure. For sure. And I, and I think you'd agree with that. Right. And 80 pitches in this one and he got pulled like normally you would go seven. You right. would at 80, you should go for 15 more, which is 95. That's what you do. Right. You say, okay, well, can you go one more inning? 15. Okay. So maybe actually the first out or something like that. Fine. But they pulled him after them. Like, Oh, okay, fine. Um, I hate the fact that teams focus on innings and not pitches. And I think what really it should be is a calculation of stressful pitches mm-hmm. um, and seeing also at any sign of fatigue as the season goes on, that's when they pull it yeah. and let them go. It, it's why don't we see 215 inning pitchers anymore, right? 200 inning pitchers. It's because I think not that 
um, organizations are just so against it innately. I think it's that players aren't trained for it. Yeah, at all. It's all max effort stuff. Um, so and also the, there's a number that they have to hit. And that's that. And it's just that's nope. Can't go past it. But sometimes right. you see like Alec Manoa go 190 innings after throwing 118 or something. And that's what I love that the Jays did. They're like, no, he's fine. He's going to do it. And maybe that's why he was bad this year. I don't think so. But well, you talk about battling oneself. I mean, Alec yes. Manoa is immediately where my head went when you were talking about that in mm. context with Sandy. So because uh, he he looks to, for me all the world to have no confidence whatsoever. We'll see oh my what, gosh. what happens down there. But it is so funny. Alec Manoa, like we have these conversations every offseason about, OK, cool. This is what he did. And uh, this was a problem. So hopefully he fixed that problem, right? But all these things, mm-hmm. other things are good. With yeah. Alec Manoa, he had his problem, which was to me, it was a sinker command um, and also needed to get more whiffs on the slider, but it was still really good. And then kept that and then made everything else also worse. And <laughs> did not keep any of the positive. And that's something that as an analyst, I need to weigh in a little bit more of the possibility, not that a guy is going to gain something, but the possibility that a guy is going to lose something. Yeah. Um, and and weighing that more into my assessment, especially for younger guys where there's less of a track record of not losing those things. Uh, so, yeah, Alec Manoa, I hope he comes back and is better, but I don't have much faith right now. Not that I wouldn't count on anything this year. Um, yeah. If you get something in September, great. But I mean, I just, you can't where, hold on to him that Where long. is he going in 2024, Jeff? In drafts? Yeah. Uh, Inside or outside top 200? Probably outside Uh, just because the depths were so low. I mean, I mean, obviously we need to we need to see some evidence, right? We need something to hold on to before we can take them before 200. And are you thinking this is 12 or uh, 12 or 15 team? 12, I'd be more inclined to take the chance because if it doesn't. Yeah, that's what that's where my head goes. Right. Because at 200, it's really like the last like three pitchers on your staff that are going to be off your team anyway. I. Sorry, I'm, I'm a rambler. You know this, but <laughs> make sure I uh, the I do the list every Monday, right? Top 100 starting pitchers. And my whole theory in the preseason is, look, you get four starters that you trust the rest of the way. And and then you fill out the rest of your rotation with guys that you're taking chances on. And you're going to do that burn and turn early in the year. And you'll fill that out as you go. Mm-hmm. And to that point, I think the top 70, my top 70 right now is filled with 25 guys that was not dra- that who were not drafted this year. Wow. And my top 70. Wow. It's, it, I mean, it, we're it shows like, why we're bidding so much on these prospects when they right. get the call. I mean, they, it, they make it, impacts. I mean, but there's also like James Paxson there. Yeah. Who's just okay. James Paxson is a thing now, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's really remarkable this year. And at first we were thinking, oh no, all these prospect pitchers aren't really panning out. I'm like, no, they are. Tanner Bybee's doing well. And Bryce Miller, sh- Bryce Miller sure had bad, two bad starts, but you know, he was still really good. And Mason Miller was good until the injury, but even still anyone wants to say like, oh, well that was nothing. I'm like, no, that was production until he unfortunately went down really soon. But yeah, Yuri Perez and Taj Bradley's in there. Oh, is Andrew so Abbott in times. there? We have a question in the form about Andrew Abbott. So is Andrew Abbott in your list yet? Oh, uh, Andrew Abbott absolutely is. He's inside that top 70. Uh, I don't quite buy what he does right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I mean, it was Rocky Road, which is the Rockies on the road, which is always a fun, right. sweet adventure. The strangest thing about Abbott yesterday is I saw, you know, I saw his debut and I saw a second star. I'm like, cool. This is a fastball curveball guy, right? He's trying to stay up with the four seamer, which I generally like, but it's not really that effective. And the curveball, I don't know how you know, dependable, I'm going to 
or how dependable it is and how much I really buy that that's going to work out. Um, he threw sliders yesterday. I mean, a sweeper, 53% CSW. And just for reference point, like 30% is what you're hoping for, right? 35% like, oh yeah, 53%. But they were mostly called strikes about, I would say maybe uh, belly button high or so, right? That's not sustainable. That is not the, the future for Andrew Abbott of just kind of lazily throwing in these sweepers. So I'm, I'm still kind of skeptical. I mean, the schedule is pretty good at the moment, and you have to start him for his next start. I believe it's the Mets. Uh, you're going to do that. And then he has two really nice uh, matchups after that. So you just kind of roll with Abbott. But this is the there, Braves. That's a big break right oh, there. Oh, huge, huge thing. Yeah. And it's going to hurt at some point. We know this. Yeah. We, we know that Andrew Abbott is not just going to soar off into the sunlight, uh, sunset and be, you know, 300 runs is his worst game or something like the three run shot, uh, three solo shots he allowed yesterday. Like, no, there's going to be like a six run clunker or something, but fine, whatever. You take that. You take those punches with whatever else he gives you in the meantime. So it's good right now, but I don't really think this is a super long lasting uh, high that you're going to have with Andrew Abbott. Exactly. Um, I think he, you know, and the follow up Abbott or Gavin Williams, who we talked about earlier, who would you rather? Oh, have? I mean, no, we're taking Abbott just because of the short term. We don't even know how long Gavin Williams is really going to do this thing. At least like Abbott has had success, right? We yeah. haven't even seen that from Gavin Williams yet. For sure. We're going to talk about a couple other guys that did have success yesterday and today. But first, quick note from our friends on the Blue Wire Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thank you for your indulgence. Uh, thank you, Blue Wire Network, for hosting us. We're actually going to go to the Blue Wire Studios in Vegas when Rotowire does our. We, every year, Rotowire goes to the uh, uh, to Vegas during the All Star break. Perfect oh, time. That's that you know, it's a good like company. Like, hey, this is what we're going to do. Get the everybody psyched on what we're going to get a little respite from the breaking news wire and all that. Three deadest yeah. days of the news in the sports year. Um, and Nick uh, Nick uh, Whalen and I are going to go over to the Blue Wire Studios, which are over at the Win. And do some uh, some recordings for baseball and basketball and some football talk. So it's gonna be pretty cool. So oh, that's uh, amazing. Yeah, excited about that. They have some, apparently they have really slick studios. I've been doing this thing on a show called Dodger Blue uh, the last couple of Fridays. So excited uh, to expand that relationship a little bit. Yeah, um, nice. Yeah, and I know you do a lot of media and you do a lot for Pitcher List, and I want to talk about that because I mean, man, you're busy. You do your Monday thing. You just talked about. Every night you're reviewing the top, uh, every starting pitcher performance of the day. Then you do rankings for the next day too. And then you run a company as well. I mean, when do you sleep? It's the dream. No, I mean, I, I sleep, it's like eight hours a night. I, I write from 11 to one at night. Uh, and then, okay. uh, yeah, covering the, the 30 pitchers, which is honestly, everything that you see is just that, right? 
me understanding every single start that every pitcher throws allows me to do everything else. Yeah. Uh, so then I get my analysis from that. Cool. I get my reconsolidation the next day when I have to do the podcast about it. Yeah. Um, to remember what it is. So cool. I have my reinforcement for my memory. Um, and then, yeah, then I do a live stream on Twitch, which is honestly, Jeff, live streams are the best thing because yeah, for me, I'm so lucky to have a community that is essentially just cheering me on as I get my work done. Uh, as I get the rankings out, I get the the podcast out. And I also do a quick uh, YouTube video a breakdown of like a picture just to help out about like, OK, this is the way it looks like this is his inning. This is why that happened. Um, it also helps me get a little bit more familiar with the guys as well. Um, but uh, but yeah, there are a lot of things we want to do. Um, I mean, we just did a, a uh, as you mentioned with Gavin Williams, we did a live stream of his MLB debut on playback.tv, which was really fun. And we can't wait to do more of those where it's essentially just Twitch, but it's the live game and uh, actually getting the community involved and stuff. But lots of things in the future. Um, one that I haven't really uh, been too public about yet, but um, one aspiration that we're trying to do for 2025 is actually start a bar in New York City. Um, wow. A baseball bar that has wow. a live venue with us. Uh, that allows us to do all of our shows inside of it, uh, bringing people like you, Jeff, to come into studio and, and be yeah. on our live stream and everything. Uh, but just be the best baseball bar in New York City. We were missing Foley's a ton, and yes. we want to really lean into that because we think there would be so much so much joy enjoying this game um, in, in the city and be able to yeah bring in analysts and players and stuff too. And Would you do that uh, in Manhattan, or where would you ever. do this? I would do this in Midtown because uh, yeah. that's where all the tourists go and no player wants to go into Brooklyn, unfortunately. So mm-hmm. uh, I w- the lazy me, I live in Park Slope. I uh, wants it to be in Gowanus, if you guys know Brooklyn, which is like a 10 minute walk for me. I would love that, but it just makes too much sense to be kind of in the heart of New York City, uh, right in the center of it. And yeah, we're uh, we're we're talking to bar owners right now to uh, to figure out who the right partner is. Um, I think part of the reason why I wanted to mention is if anyone listening is like, oh, man, I'm in New York City and I would love to uh, go in on this. Um, Reach out to me on Twitter. We're just trying to I'm just talking to a lot of people to figure out who the right person is, Um, because we essentially want to have the bar downstairs and then the greatest live venue for baseball upstairs. um, We host everything. So and it's an illustration that Pitcher is, is, is a big company now. I mean, Nick, I remember when you were starting the company. I can't even it's like no more than 10 years ago. Right. Oh, yeah. It was uh, this room in 2013 in November. I started to make pitcher gifts. OK, that's that's amazing. So there you go. And now you've got so many writers, so many podcasters. You guys do a ton of work and I love it. I love it. You're bringing a lot, adding a lot of voices, giving people a chance. And that's one of the things like I feel like I'm I, one of the things I've accomplished is that a lot of people have had a chance to uh, dip their toes into the fantasy community. And it's an amazing community. I mean, it's guys like you, Jeff, are the ones that, that built this for us. I just came in. I thought it was going to be like, uh, you know, I, I experienced the the sports culture in high school and college playing baseball, and I didn't like it at all. And I was very intimidated by it. And I thought I had to be something that I wasn't initially. And mm-hmm. then meeting people like you, uh, you know, Saris, um, you know, Derek Van Riper, like so many, uh, Jason Collette, who are Paul Spore, who are just like, oh, hey, we're so happy that you're here. Come on in. Right. They'll come underneath our wing and uh, to be able to then go to our community. And so like, that's how we're going to act. You know, we joke inside of our discord that it's we spell heck H star CK. That's how we curse, you know, <laughs> because that's the kind of culture that we have. We just endless positivity and excitement trying to help each other out as opposed to I'm the best puffing out my chest 
you know, putting down other people, being this like angry, emotional chaos. Like I don't, we don't want that. We want joy. We don't want fury. So, um, I mean, I call ourselves anti-barstool sports for that exact reason, because I feel like that kind of culture ostracizes a lot of people and we don't want that whatsoever. We, you know, we want you to be a different kind of fan that we, a lot of people feel like they can't be. So I've, I've been so fortunate to find so many fantastic people in this industry um, who just want to share their love for the game. And uh, yeah, it's really, it's, you know, all of them. I, I say the pitch is built by strangers. You know, I just want to talk about pitching, Jeff. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about relief pitching. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and somehow we do all this other stuff. You know, we have database engineers and uh, UI UX and graphic designers. I mean, Justin Barrett has sent me that email randomly. And like the whole graphics team is because of him. Like what? That stuff's insane. I can never do that. Oh, you know? I know. Same. I mean, it, it's crazy. So thanks to them, really, and really the community enforcing the mentality that we want to have. Just like we love baseball. Come on by. We're nerds. It's great. Exactly. Exactly. And test us out on that theory too. come to first pitch Arizona. Or if you can't yes. you want to come to the conference, just meet us at one of the games. You know, oh, it's the best. Come, come. It, chat it us is up. the best. I promise. Uh, we won't just bite. again. Another reinforcement of the entire industry just how yeah. wonderful and positive it is or, or towers or labor there's always yep. you know and we're trying to have in and i found that the baseball community in particular has been very welcoming um oh I, yeah and i know football like jake seeley's trying to do that with the flex leagues for instance there but baseball started earlier in terms of having like labor and tout and having these established things and that that's where it really worked out well but i noticed that baseball in particular is just very welcoming, and I, I love I love that about that. So great, met, you know, met so many friends for life there. I, you know, I, it's, it's I think baseball is a calm sport. I think that's why I like yeah. to think that. You know, you just go to the park, you hang out, you have a good time. You mm-hmm. don't get too intense about every single moment. I I think that I think that's part of it, and I love it. Yeah, and maybe you hang out for a little less amount of time now than you did last year because of the rules, but. Uh... <laughs> It, it, I have I notice it more on TV than I do in person, to be honest. Yeah, um, I think so, too. Yeah. I, in person, it, it I, I notice that I have less time to go get food and drink. But yeah, because I don't want to miss it. I, that's the thing is I hate missing the actual game action. And like um, you, you're just humming Aerosmith the entire time. You don't want to miss a thing. Exactly. And uh, I would say this about the, the, the shorter game times as analysts way better. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I get to sleep about 30 to 45 minutes earlier this year. Because so, the West Coast games are over sooner. As a West Coast denizen, I mm-hmm. don't like that aspect as much because I'll come back from soccer practice. Oh, yeah. And like, and I'm almost done coaching soccer. Uh, in, end of July will be the last swan song for me, probably. Really? Uh, my, my daughter told me that she's not going to play uh, AYSO in the fall. She's going to focus on our oh. high school stuff. She's, she'll be a junior. So. Yeah. I'll, there, there's like a five Jeff. I'll just reach out to you about all my basketball stuff. Then, okay, I'll yeah. keep you in the loop. You can live vicariously through me. Yeah, but that's one thing. I normally prefer the West Coast start times and all that uh, for for all sports. Like, hey, football Sunday start at ten. I like that. That's good. Let's do this. Right, uh, right, right. But I do fondly remember like going to like if I ever you know the random chance I ever go out anymore at night. Um, there's nothing on to watch, and it, yeah. and it, you know, and this is a flex. I went to Hawaii last week and there was nothing at night. Zero zip, not <laughs> but uh, that's OK. It is it's it's fine. But uh, yeah, you know, when when games start at when the main slate of games starts at 1 p.m. Maui time, I'm like, oh, I guess I should be focusing on Maui time and not on games. But uh, yeah, right. I uh, just bother Alex Chamberlain. That's all you need to do him and Kevin Hastings. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And they, they know how to get strike that balance. 
Uh, so <laughs> there, there you go. A um, couple other guys uh, we want to talk yeah. about before we get out of here, here, because uh, I know I'm, I know you are so busy. We talked about how busy you are. So one of the things you do is you review like every week, every night what's happened, and you have great terms for some of the things that happened, including the Vargas rule. Explain what the Vargas rule is and how it applies to Julio Turan, please. Oh, man. The Vargas rule was that crazy, crazy year. I want to say it was like 2017. I could be wrong. Um, that that Jason Vargas was just so good for the mm-hmm. first like three months of the year. Uh, and we were all saying like Jason Vargas is not this good. And yet he just kept going. And as fantasy analysts, we like to say, well, no, I'm not going to start this guy because all these things. But honestly, as a fantasy player, you are starting Jason, Jason Vargas during that stretch because he's just been so dang good. You don't care what he's supposed to be doing. He just keeps proving you wrong. And Julio Tehran, I, I don't. Uh, it's insane. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I understand it because right. I don't. But you're just going to keep doing it. I mean, he did, I guess, a good Arizona Diamondbacks yesterday. Uh, five innings and produced for your squads and... His CSW on a slider is 43%, but he has just 9% swing strike rate. He throws it all. It's all YM lock. And if you don't know what that is, I essentially made it uh, percentages so you can read the strike zone instead of looking at plots and mm-hmm. feeling at times like I'm, you know, uh, the Spanish teacher from community looking at the little note. I, I actually just put it into numbers and cool. How often is in the bottom of the zone, the middle of the zone, the top of the zone. So YM lock is a, the vertical middle you don't mm-hmm. want that that's like the worst because it's just essentially the flat bat you throw it out <laughs> Tehran slider is 100 percent ym lock like percentile wow like it's 43 percent ym lock normally you see uh the average is 21 percent oh my goodness it just gets called strikes it just it just does that i don't i don't get it 34 percent call strike rate is the 99th percentile of all sliders thrown by pitchers it it okay is hard contact rate, that is how many at-bats end in a 95-mile-per-hour fastball or more with his sinker? Because you think, oh, well, clearly that's what's happening. He's just inducing weak contact. No, 34% hard contact, which is 43rd percentile. You know, this isn't it. I, I don't get it. It just is it's happening. So, all right, keep starting Julia Tehran, I guess. You're going to get your know. comeuppance at some point, though, right? And you just... will, but, like, are you going to not start him? He has a one five three ERA through thirty five innings. Yeah, I just feel I got I get all the Ben Ben Liley vibes here. Oh um, well, that well that was like two starts though. Now yeah, we're now we're getting want. deep. Yeah, that's true. It's true. I'm still not buying. I don't know, but uh, maybe I just don't want to buy. Uh, I, I, you know, it's, sometimes you convince yourself, and in the face of all uh, other results, you just keep on believing. Then four years from now, see, I was justified. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's that was me and sport talking about Kyle Hendricks. <laughs> exactly. uh, we bonded in 2016. We're like, ah, 2020. There it is. Yes, exactly. Um, Joe Ryan today, complete game shutout against the Red Sox. You were big on him. You were auto start. You said, uh, oh, yeah. you, second on your list behind sugar Shane. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, Joe Ryan's four seamer is insanely good. And what's so wild to me is Joe Ryan secondaries are terrible. Um, mm-hmm. It's a slider and a splitter. But the good thing today, I put out the tweet before this show when it was only seven innings done, is he was 67% strikes on the splitter. And it was a low CSW. I think it was like 13%. And I love CSW. Don't get me wrong. I, it might shock you to know that I love that stat. Yes. But uh, <laughs> but uh, CSW is only part of the story. And when the goal for the splitter is not actually to get called strikes or swing strikes, it's just to get strikes. 
uh, because give, give me foul balls or outs in play. That's, that's all you need mm-hmm. to do from the splitter because if you get foul balls, then great, I'm going to throw now a four-seamer, and that's going to get you out, right. right? So you just need one of those two to get like a lot of strikes. Fortunately, it was a splitter today. At the time, you only thrown one slider, and uh, that was effect- only one hit allowed on those 30 splitters at that time, which is great. You'll take that all day to the bank. Absolutely. Um, imagine if you throw 90 of them, that means you'll have three hits in a game, you know, so uh, that's fantastic. And yeah, Joe Ryan's just so good. If, if the splitter is consistent and can do that Blake Snell blueprint of four seamers up and splitters down, great. We just haven't seen that. And that's why you have those weird starts that he had like last time, I think, uh, where it was just only the four seamer and there was nothing else that helped. But yeah, Joe Ryan's really good and he's only going to get better. I think next year he's going to be better than this because one of those things will finally actually be really good and then yeah, he's just right. it's going to soar. Speaking, you mentioned Blake Snell. He's pitching right now. Uh, he, they stake to a 3 nothing lead against the Giants. Uh, has Blake Snell turned the corner? Uh, oh, well, what is he doing today? Because Blake, Blake Snell drives me insane. We're about to find out. He hasn't thrown a pitch yet. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, oh, I see. Top of the third against, yeah, Alex Wood, who was in a do not start because it's the mm-hmm. Padres, and he's very inconsistent. Um, Blake Snell, to me, is at his best when he throws four seamers in the upper half of the zone, so high lock percentage at like 67% or something, and then throws curveballs, sliders, and changeups down um, 80% of the time. And as long as he can get enough strikes, you don't even need to get like 65% on the curve and slider, just like give me to 60. Mm-hmm. He will he will be the like the best pitcher on the planet, it looks like, right? Right. Um, the thing is, every single start this year, he's done something different. And he drives me up the wall. Uh, last time with the curveball finally like woke up mm-hmm. and the slider got some strikes after like the slider, I think is a, a 20% or 30% strike rate this year. It's something really bad. Uh, he just spikes it all the time. While the changeup, which is, um, you know, I was talking to some people inside of the Padres organization, not the plan. Um, I've been yelling about Blake Snell to get rid of this changeup for like three years because the curveball and slider when those work are way better. But the problem is that those were so bad. The, the slider in the curve that Snell had to throw more changeups. He was right. actually forced to, to figure it out. And he did. So, okay. Now just get the curveball and the slider both back. And I hope so. Also that last start against the, in um, the race four seamer came in was not good. It, right. It, it, but he had 12 strikeouts. It didn't matter. I don't I, look, you just start Blake Snell. Okay. Just do it. It's going to be second half Snell, which apparently is a thing, even though he's only done it twice. And that's kind of random grouping where it's a 50% chance that you'll have the same good half in two straight seasons. Right. But I, uh, maybe <laughs> for a while, I was just like Petco Snell and then bench him on the road. But now, it, Oh, that's another random grouping. Yeah, I know. I, I don't, I don't believe in home road splits. And actually Derek Cardi put out a tweet when I was at um, first pitch Florida with him on a panel talking about streaming and this was back i think in 2021 or uh maybe 20 2020 before all shut down and he said home road splits are dumb during the panel i turned to him and said can you please tweet that out right now and he did for pitchers or hitters both both park factors are good okay but home road splits innately are dumb okay um just random grouping you take you take any set of stats and you 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 throw one thing over here one thing over there you know, rarely is it going to be even five and five or something like that, right? It's going to be, uh, it's going to be randomly split. I got to imagine though, like an extreme ballpark that might not be. Yeah, same. well, that's park factors. Okay, right? Because of the park factor, of it's course. Not a com- so you're saying just not the comforts of home. Okay, got right. It. Not just saying that just a, re- a home road splitter. So if you're saying the Petco is really good, well, if is, he, is what's the park factor relative to? 
Petco then that he's pitching at now, right? Okay, fair. That's all. Okay, I I, I can get aboard that. I, I think I think that's that from Derek Cardi. It's not even me. So you don't want to. He you don't want to be the smartest guy in our community. Um, yeah. I don't even know. I don't. I might not even be. You might not need that qualifier. I think he is the smartest guy in our community. Yeah, he, I, he, I, I he's ridiculously smart. Yeah, I wouldn't get him uh, argue here. against it. Yeah. All right. On that note, uh, that's a good positive thing to say. Saying something nice about the community again. Nick, tell everybody where they can find you, please. Oh, just come to pitchwells.com. We've got everything. Uh, okay. We do live streams. We do podcasts. We do YouTube videos. We do all the fun stuff. Just come check out and uh, check out our player pages. Seriously, we have Statcast data on that. We have gifts of every pitch. We have data that you won't find anywhere else it's number one place to do your pitcher research also hit our pages as well you can also read my sp roundups inside the game logs of them so go there check them out and uh yeah just bother me on twitter it's fun absolutely and he and he's doing podcasts he's doing streams you name it in the spring in the preseason draft season you always do a great uh a fundraiser a tell a, a potathon. Um, yeah PitchCon for pitch years con. yeah uh, and... we raised money for a good cause this year was 100 percent to the als foundation which is awesome which is awesome. Yeah, so, really uh, fun. yeah, it, it, it's great stuff. So, Nick, thank you so much. It's always a fun. This hour just flew by. Oh, man, this was so much fun. Thanks so much for inviting me here, Jeff. Indeed. Uh, got two star starters coming up tomorrow with Todd and Clay. Tune in for that. As always, thanks for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast.